Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, let's get our postgame coverage underway as the Flames remain perfect for another season at Climate Pledge Arena. They have made six trips in three seasons to Climate Pledge in downtown Seattle, and they are a perfect 6-0-0 thanks to tonight's 4-3 comeback overtime win on the road in Seattle. They won't play at Climate Pledge Arena again until next season. The final two games of this Pacific Division season series will be played at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Gutsy win for the Flames big third period and a rare overtime win and uh, that's got to do some good things for the Flames as well. Welcome to your Flames Talk post game show on this Monday night. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. My name is Pat Steinberg joined by Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills. The Flames now 5-1-2 and two in their last eight games after picking up a win in this one and you know it didn't look so good after 40 minutes of play Mick the Flames were down 3-2 and they deserve to be down 3-2 after 40 minutes of play but they also realized their situation realized they were only down by one and uh, they had an opportunity to go out and win a period and maybe win a game they won the third period and they found a way to win the game as well it's uh look it's not going to be perfect. I'm sure when we hear from head coach Ryan Huska, he won't look, uh, he won't like what has happened in in the first 40 minutes of play. But you've got to like this team's resilience because it continues to be maybe their number one positive attribute as uh, they're now just one game below 500. Yeah, and I actually I really liked their start and in particular Elias Lindholm with a goal just a minute and 16 seconds into the game, and then their power play as well finally producing and uh, with Jonathan Huberto on his goal, but then just letting their play dip a little bit too much in the second period. But like you said, Pat, just their their resilience and, you know, their, their battle and their compete, it almost seemed like in watching, you know, they were down and it, it wasn't phasing them. Yeah. So it's now they have that belief that no matter what, they're down, they can come back. Final score, Flames win 4-3 in overtime on the road in Seattle. Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. Let's go back to Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. And uh, last year he was Mr. 900 when he played his 900th career game. Tonight he's Mr. 500 thanks to his primary assist on the overtime winner. Uh, 500th career point for Michael Backlund, who joins us for some post-game reaction right now. Bax, congratulations on that first. A big milestone for you, and it comes in a win, and it comes on the game winner. That's got to feel pretty cool tonight. Yeah, it feels really good. Uh, huge win for us. Uh, great comeback, and yeah, it feels uh, really special to get that 500 point. Um, I told Raz long enough to to find me or score when I passed him, so it was about time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad that you could get that. That must feel special knowing that it was Raz who uh, scored the goal for uh, 500 <laughs> points. Walk us through the play, Michael. What uh, What did you see as that play developed and uh, you eventually won the game in overtime? Yeah, well, we you know we were pressuring D zone and uh, you know we had a back and forth shift uh, after that, and then uh, we kind of got the puck back and just trying to settle down to play a little bit and. Uh, Uber came back and we did a little give and go and then uh, you know saw Rask getting some speed and just trying to get the puck to him and he made a great play uh, and great play staying on the two not you know just uh, backing off just finishing off with the rebound. 
back and forth game. What did you see out there? How would you evaluate this one for your group tonight, Michael? Yeah, I thought we came out and played really well. Uh, I thought first period was really good. Uh, they were pretty, they were good too. Uh, it was, it was a back and forth first period. Uh, thought in the second we lost our game and they took over um, and got up and then you know we just fought our way back uh, to get that point and then to win OT uh, was uh, was a great start uh, to the short trip for us. Michael, what's been the key to this group's resilience over the last few weeks? It feels like no matter the score, you're never out of a game right now. What's been what's allowed you to make that the case? Well, I think if you win a few uh, comeback games, you gain that confidence knowing you can, no matter what, you find ways to win games or come back and tie games. And, you know, uh, yeah, since that like, six-game losing streak, we've done that. Uh, we did that here in Seattle uh, when we won that first game yeah. after the losing streak. And we've done it, we did a national game after that too. So, you know, to do that right after the losing streak just gave us some momentum and some confidence that, you know, we can find ways to win games yeah, by leading or being down. So, um, yeah, you can tell the group's feeling a lot better about themselves than we did during that losing streak. And I feel like guys are just more comfortable, too, with the new system and everything and uh, finding just a lot of line line changes early on, deep pairing changes. Now we're kind of selling a little bit here to some uh, you know um, consistent lines and pairings, mm-hmm. too. Final question for you, Michael. Uh, you talked about it yesterday. A tough road trip. You play four and six. It ends with a tough back-to-back. So knowing that, how important was it for your group to kick it off with a victory? Yeah, no, it was, it was huge. Um, you know, after the second period, we came in in the room and we weren't happy and we talked about it and I was talked about it. So we And we came out and started, uh, you know, uh, decided, you know, we showed resilience and wanted to get that goal and... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big win for us to start trip. Michael, congratulations on the victory and congratulations on point number 500. You get it on the overtime winner. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Congrats on the win. Thanks for doing this tonight. Yeah, thanks, Pat. It's Michael Backlund, the captain of the Calgary Flames, following a 4-3 overtime win on the road in Seattle. They remain perfect at Climate Pledge Arena, 6-for-6. Six six. And Wilsey, our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota was just that, the importance of starting this road trip off with a win. It's going to be a tough road trip. Yep. You know, Nashville's feeling good about themselves with the way they won tonight, uh, scoring two in the final minute to erase a deficit and win 4-3. Calgary's had, you know, they, they've had some issues in that building before, and it's always a rowdy building. And then it ends with a Dallas-Colorado back-to-back. So to get some good mojo early and open this road trip with a solid third period and a really important win, that's uh, that's a significant start to this trip. Well, we actually talked about it post-game on Saturday, that quite often when you're playing these condensed road trips, that things can snowball one way or the other. And... There was already a, a snowball heading in a positive direction as the Flames left Calgary and flew to Seattle to start this road trip, and now that snowball gets a little bit bigger with this uh, 4-3 overtime win uh, and come-from-behind fashion. So a uh, really good start. Now they get a day off, and, and then they're off to Nashville to play uh, a Predators team that's kind of trying to climb out of a hole that they dug themselves in early in the season. And we, we talked about it earlier tonight, Megan. Uh, feels like these first two games are really important because of how difficult the last two games are going to be. You're playing against two of the top teams in the conference in the Stars and the Avalanche, and you're doing it in a tough back-to-back going from Dallas to Denver. So if you can put four points in the bank in the first two games of the trip, then you set yourself up to have 
a good trip, and you can make it a great trip by picking up more points in the back half. You, uh, so now the Flames are 5-1-2 and two in their last eight games as they continue this road trip Wednesday in Nashville. Uh, I'm curious, Mick, when, when we talk about resilience, we'll, we'll name the hardest-working Flame very shortly, but you know, you heard Michael talk about how at the end of a six-game road trip, they, they snapped it with a comeback win. The next game at home to Nashville was a comeback win. We've been talking for a few weeks about how these things can uh, start to build some belief, and I, I certainly wondered going into the third period, only down a goal. I'm like, hey, this group has shown a, a lot of resilience here in the month of November. Do they do it again? And, and and they did indeed do it again. How much How much does belief end up filtering through onto what we actually see on the ice in a situation like that? Oh, it's huge. And I would use the word belief for sure over confidence because I think that you really need to, to believe in those situations that you can come back. Um, and the reason why you have to believe is because it's it's hard to do. It's not an easy thing to do. And to know that, you know, a, a specific group of players and a specific team can do it in order to gain that belief, the only way to get that is to actually do it. So as they continue to come back game after game, that belief continues to grow. And so that when you go into those situations, you're not in panic mode. You're not thinking, oh gosh, we have to score. Are we going to be able to come back? You're sort of even keel. You're steady. You keep your play, your emotions kind of just on a, you know, a really a level where you can still focus on your game and have, you know, belief in your game. And that if you play the way that you know you can play that you can come back I will say though that they're probably they probably would prefer to not be battling back <laughs> yeah absolutely. as much as they've had to so how about now you know get a lead and keep a lead yeah. that's you know that's the that's the next step so Pat since they snapped their six game losing streak which they did with a 6-3 come from behind victory in Seattle over the crack and back on November 4th. There have been a bunch of comebacks. So in their next game, they were down 2 nothing to the Predators and won 4-2. In their next game, they were down 4-1 to the Maple Leafs. They didn't battle back to win that game, but they did pick up a point in a 5-4 shootout loss. And then a loss where they really never got anything going against the Senators. Uh, they led from... Well, not start to finish. They they never trailed versus the Canadians. But then against the Canucks, they battled back. They were down one nothing in that game and, and won five to two. And then against the Islanders, they were down three one and and battled back to pick up an important point in a five four shootout loss and then uh down three two in this game they, they fight back. So they have been finding ways to win or at least pick up points in games where they've fallen behind and you talk about all the intangibles, Megan, belief, mm-hmm. confidence, momentum, swagger. They're starting to build all of those things, and um, it, that goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that they're just playing better hockey for the most part right now. We heard Michael Backlund say at postgame that they've wrapped their head around uh, the system, uh, I think specifically the, the new way of playing in the defensive zone, and I know that uh, they looked really slow in the second period of this game against the Kraken tonight, but I thought they, they picked up their pace in the third and in overtime, and 
The team is trending in the right direction now, and, and I've got to believe that part of that is as much as they try to ignore the outside noise, they've all heard the talk about a rebuild or a retool, and every player I've talked to has told me they want no part of it. Mm-hmm. So if if they want to change the direction that this team could potentially be heading in, there's one way to do it, and that's to win way more than you lose, and then you make it tough. Yeah. And they're making it tough right now if if the idea is – that you do go down the road of a, a retool or rebuild if if you can't get the season back on track. But all of the sudden, they're one game below 500 in the win-loss column. They're six points ahead of the orders, and they're two points out of both wild cards in the Western Conference. They've kind of reeled it back in a little bit here. Yeah, 5-1-2 and two stretch will yeah. absolutely do that for you. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon is hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, who is your hardest-working flame tonight? Well, I would select Michael Backlund for his 500th point, but I picked him last game. You can go. There's no rules mix, here. Mix it up a little bit. Well... I also, I mean, Rasmus Anderson had a really strong game. And, I mean, just looking at the amount that he played and what he was able to do when he was on the ice with one goal, two assists, he's plus one. He played 24 minutes and 40 seconds. He always plays a bag of minutes. Six shots, three more attempts, a hit, two block shots. So in terms of like a quote-unquote hardest working flame, I'm going to give it to Rasmus Anderson with a very special honorable mention shout-out to Michael Backlund. Three-point game for Rasmus Anderson and the overtime winner. He's your hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly, but uh, first some final thoughts from our broadcast crew. Flames win 4-3 in overtime over Seattle. Phone lines open 403 0444 text line wide open as well at 969.60. Final thoughts starting with Megan Mickelson. Well, a win is a win at the end of the day, and the Flames, you know, as Will Z said it, they found a way. So just that, you know, continued resilience that we're seeing from the group, it, it shows a lot of strength and also maturity in a team that has been through quite a bit, and they're coming out the other end. So like Dan Vladar, like the way that he played, he made a key save in that overtime that kept them in it. Um, and again, really like Jonathan Huberto, I think that, you know, the play, he made a really great play in the defensive zone uh, before they went up the ice in that overtime to score that goal. And that's one of those plays that kind of goes unnoticed, but goes back to what we've talked about him and just the details of his game and how he's just playing a really well-rounded game. So, um liked that as well so lots to like probably the coaching staff would say lots to clean up but you know you take that snowball and you just make it bigger and keep going in the right direction well less than a week ago we were spending a lot of time even after flames wins talking about their number one centerman elias lindholm and their number one left winger jonathan huberto and how much they were struggling it's Mm -hmm. crazy how much can change in less than a week because both guys scored again tonight. And I think Huberto played his best game of the season tonight. Scores a goal, makes some good defensive plays, had two big hits 
We're starting to see the old Jonathan Huberdeau again, and that is great news for him and for the Flames. Uh, congratulations to Andrew Majapani on his 100th NHL goal, the game-tying goal with less than five minutes left in the third period, and then to Michael Backlund on his 500th NHL point as he sets up Rasmus Anderson for the overtime winner. Uh, it was a hard game to watch at times, but the Flames, they just found a way again. And I think it's so important uh, for a team that everything just so, felt so heavy last season and then to start this season. And they needed some good things to start happening, and they've made some good things start to happen here. And and they're on a really good run right now. You look at what they've done since uh, snapping that six-game losing streak, 5-1-2. and two. So they have picked up, what, 12 of a possible 14 points in their last seven games. And now they're right back in the mix in the Western Conference. So so we'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, Big game coming up against a good Predators team on Wednesday. And uh, looking forward to it. Uh, All right. You have a wonderful rest of your Monday, friends. Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Wilsey. Thanks, Pat. Pat. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson signing off after a 4-3 overtime win in Seattle for the Flames. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. He spoke post-game after tonight's win. Brian, maybe just to start with kind of the emotions of this game and, um, you know, how you can describe sort of the ebbs and flows to it. There was ebbs and flows, that's for sure. Good first period, awful second period, great third period, and it was nice to get a win in overtime. How did you, uh, what did you see as the biggest shift from that second to third? Um, I don't know, I don't know. I think they just dug in a little bit. Like, they, you often know when they're not happy in between periods. Um, and as a coach, you walk by sometimes and you can hear some of the guys talking and that's a positive thing for us that we had certain guys that were saying the right thing so um, it was nice to see the response for sure. How about um, you know to obviously see a couple of chances early from Rasmus but uh, mm-hmm. you know the way that he kind of stuck with that one and, yeah. and buried a big one. For yeah him. well we talked last time in Calgary we don't want to go to a shootout so it was nice <laughs> nice to be able to get that win all kidding aside I, I think the one shift in overtime where it was Kadri and Pospisil, and I'm not sure who the defenseman was, but we got hemmed in for a while. They did a good job of keeping things to the outside for the most part, and then Marty kept the puck and allowed us to change. So those little things often are the difference. Talk about those uh, three gentlemen on your team that didn't see a lot of ice in the third period, just short the bench, and they were the ones not going as yeah, well? Yeah, that's pretty much it for sure. You guys have had some success in this building both this season and, and previous seasons. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I really don't. It's Sometimes it works that way. Some teams have success against other teams, and then they can't find a way to beat a different team. It just it's, Sometimes it just works that way. Did, did it feel fitting to see Andrew Mangiapane, you know, pot 100th career goal kind of right where he did? Yeah, and uh, that's where he scores his goals, where he should be scoring his goals in there. Um, so great for him, great for Michael. Like those are two pretty good milestone nights for, for important players on our team. I know this probably feels like a lifetime ago in a game that goes to OT, but that opening shift, Michael's line goes out there and kind of sets the table with that first shift. You get the goal right after. What does that do for your team to start that way? Um, importance, again, like we put a lot of importance on good starts, first periods, and trying to win your first periods. And um, we've talked a lot about Michael and Blake over the last little while, so they, they were ready to play and usually when your key guys are, the team usually follows suit. We just slipped in the second period, but found a way to get it back. How close did you consider uh, challenging the goalie interference in the second, potential second? Yeah, I trust the guys in the room. So if that screen uh, flashes a certain color, then I, I go with what they say most times. I mean, I can look at it and get emotional about it. And um, they're a little bit more calm, cool and collected and actually 
dig into whether or not that is something that should be challenged or not. How important is it to finally to get an overtime win? Um, even a win, I, I think more important the response after a terrible period. Um, it could have been easy for the guys just to kind of roll over and move on to Nashville, but I, I love the response in the third period. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, thank you guys. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game following a Flames 4 3 comeback overtime win in Seattle. Uh, so remember, the Flames had Anaheim for 200 years and then they had Vegas for, you know, four or five years. They couldn't win there. Well, they've also got Seattle, where it feels like every time they're in there, they're going to find a way. I even was thinking about that as the third period was going along. thought to myself, well, the Flames are pushing. Decord was good. And give Joey Decord a lot of credit. He was really solid in that third period. But it's like, you know, it just feels like the Flames will find a way because they always find a way in Seattle. And they did. Uh, so they will finish the season 2-0 and in Seattle. They will uh, finish the year 6-for-6 six six in their uh, lifetime in Seattle as well. Kraken won't have their uh, next opportunity to win a game at home against the Flames until next season. Kraken and Flames don't play another game there this year. The next two games both at the Scotiabank Saddle. The Flames are also 8-1 and one since the Kraken came into the league against them head-to-head with one loss at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, the only one. Okay, take a break. Come back with your phone calls. Come back with your texts. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. 960-960 is your text line. And uh, we'll hear lots from you. We'll go back inside the Flames locker room and a whole lot more. Flames are 5-1-2 and two in their last eight. Uh, gutsy comeback again. They win 4-3 in overtime in Seattle. This is your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 the fan the flames talk post game show continues from the downtown studio on sportsnet 960 the fan Oh, good little run here for the Flames and a fun way to move to 5-1-2 and two in their last eight games. So how about the splits? 2-7-1 and one to start the year in their first 10. Their second 10-game split as they move towards the quarter mark of the season, they're 5-1-2. So at worst, they'll go 5-3-2 in their last 10 or, or their next 10 games. So that's a, that's a pretty solid turnaround, and that's not to say they won't do better. 2-7-1? Um, and one, all of a sudden, if they can go 7-1-2, and two, they might actually be able to get their head above the uh, rim of that hole that they were uh, digging for themselves in the first 10. We'll see how it goes. There's still lots of uh, other teams that will have something to say about that, but definitely a nice turnaround for the Flames, and they've made things a whole lot more different, uh, a whole lot more interesting, rather. They've put themselves right back into the conversation in uh, the playoff mix again, near the bottom. They're still on the outside looking in, and they're still in a bubble playoff conversation, but better than being in a uh, last place conversation where they were going into the Heritage Classic, for instance. Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show where the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 and the text line is open at 960-960. Let's get to tonight's Save of the Game brought to you by Shane Holmes because very sneakily... Dan Vladar was very good uh, in this game tonight. Vladar ends up with, uh, well, he ends up getting the start in this game, and he ends up improving his overall record to 5-1 and one against the Kraken, and couple of key saves in the third period and in overtime, and the Flames don't have a chance to win this one. Uh, Dan's save of the game actually comes in period number two. 
Flames still can't get it out, though. That'll do it for the Zadorov penalty. Back to full strength. Here's Veneers with a shot, and Vladar stops him from point blank range. A big save by Dan Vladar on last season's Calder Trophy winner, Matty Benier. And that ends up being one of the 28 stops made by Dan Vladar tonight. And that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Just checking to see if I can uh, quickly do this here. I think I'll be able to. Um, well, no, I won't be able to because it won't be updated. I'll, I'll try to do it uh, while we do this right now. I'll get you the uh, career numbers now for Vladar in that building at Climate Pledge Arena. I'll get that in just a second. Before that, however, uh, let's hear from Rasmus Anderson. A goal and three points, your number one star, and nicknamed him the hardest working flame. Uh, Rasmus Anderson postgame following a 4-3 comeback overtime win in Seattle. Well, maybe just uh, take me through sort of the evolution of this game and how you guys found a way to uh, get back in here in the third period. Yeah, good first, terrible second, battled back in the third and managed to win in overtime. <laughs> you know, but uh, our second period wasn't good enough today. Um, sloppy, uh, you know, they were all over us. And, uh, but, you know, we were down one goal on the road in the third and, you know, we are just sticking with it and uh, we found a way to... Um, to you know bring it to overtime and then uh, you know as overtime is it's uh, you almost got to give one up to get one so um, it was nice to see us win in overtime it's it's been a little while I feel like what was that motion towards the bench just yeah this is easy no, I, I told I told Tanny before that I was gonna end it so I kind of felt like I had to so uh, <laughs> no all jokes aside but I, I don't know it's when you're scoring overtime winner you don't you're not really thinking about the celebration you just it just comes to you. So, uh, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of emotions today, and um, you know, it's a big divisional, uh, you know, matchup. So, uh, a lot of emotions, and um, it's a good start to our road trip. Can you talk about the goals? Uh, talk about the goal, like you almost stuffed it in on the wraparound. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but um, it felt like I had him on the wraparound. Yeah. He was, I felt it was very far out, and went for the wraparound, and he kind of just bounced back at me, and I saw him scrambling, and just kind of threw it at the net, and. Uh, he went in, so it was nice to see that one go in and uh, you know get a bounce our way. Did you tell Tanny that uh, you were going to score it after the first chance you had in OT, or was that right before OT started? Yeah, uh, no, after the first shift, I told him right before I jumped on my second shift that you know it's time to end it, and uh, so uh, he worked today. <laughs> it's got to be a relief for you guys. Yeah. Just, the record is very obvious. Yeah, no, it is. That, that's why it's like you know when you finally get one overtime, it's just a lot of emotions because. You know, we know how much we've started in overtime before, and uh, so it was really nice to see, to win one and see that one go in. How about Andrew getting that goal? Uh, you know, kind of right where he's made his uh, his living there, right in the blue paint. And yeah, uh, super happy for you know, Manch, my my longtime friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, super happy for him. He he deserves it, and uh, you know, backs 500 points as well. So uh, it's uh, two really cool milestones, and super happy for both of them. You guys have never lost in this building. Why do you think we that haven't? Is? No, I didn't even know that. Six and all. I couldn't answer that. I feel like I feel Seattle is a really good team. They're, you know, the that's especially that second period. They're just all over you. You don't even have half a second to make a play. And uh, but you know, I, I feel like we're just sticking with it. And uh, you know, I can only speak about today. And you know, we're sticking with it. And we find a way to win even after a really really bad second period. In light of your overtime prediction, do you have any predictions for Wednesday? Uh, no, let's just get a win. <laughs> 
There you go, Rasmus Anderson post-game in Seattle. He scores the overtime winner in a 4-3 overtime win. By the way, with tonight's game, uh, I told you I'd do this during the uh, during the Anderson conversation. Uh, Dan Vladar improves to 4-0 and lifetime at Climate Pledge Arena with a 9-11 save percentage. He also improves to 5-1 and overall lifetime against the Kraken, but 4-0-0 in four starts at Climate Pledge Arena with a 9-11 save percentage. Uh, seemed uh, like a pretty easy decision to start him in this one tonight. I bet you he starts Saturday against Colorado. That's just my guess. He's also been fairly strong lifetime against the Avalanche, so I, I could see them going with that decision, go Markstrom Wednesday and Friday, and then on the second half of the back-to-back Saturday, play Vladar in Colorado. That's a little far off, though. Uh, we'll uh, get there when the Flames get there. Uh, let's get to the text line as our Flames Talk postgame show is underway at 969. Let's start with Doug in Canmore, who says, I think we can finally see the teams buying into the coach's new system. Everybody's working harder. The team's not giving up. Another comeback to win in an overtime shows some serious jam. Huberto finally has some confidence back at both ends of the ice. Got a long way to go, but let's stop judging him by the dollars and by the contribution instead. And Doug, two more points for Huberto. He got a secondary assist on the OT winner and scored the 2-1 goal in the first. So that's a goal and an assist for Huberto, who I thought was, again, pretty dynamic in this game. He made that one pass to Nikita Zadorov uh, in the third period that didn't end up getting a uh, – or, or didn't end up going in, but you're like – and he – probably made three or four other passes in the first 40 minutes of play that you say to yourself, it's the only guy on the team that is making that pass. And so you're definitely seeing more confidence out of Huberdo as it stands right now. Kind of tough to judge the line as a whole because everything got thrown into the blender with two or three guys basically stapled to the bench or limited in ice time in the third period. So he didn't really see static lines in the third. It was uh, more of a fluid situation. But I thought Huberdo was pretty darn strong in this game. One of three players to finish above 50% in five-on-five possession. He was out there. Uh, The Flames were 3-2 in high-danger chances when Jonathan was out there tonight. Uh, Huberdo finished the game with, where does he end up? Uh, he had the one-shot attempt that was also a shot and also a goal. Uh, so he had the uh, 100 uh, had the 100 shooting percent in this game as well. But, you know, one of the things that uh, the um, immediate analytics don't tell you is just the uh, playmaking ability and his vision. I thought another really strong game for Jonathan Huberdo in this one. So I'm with you on that front, Doug. Uh, this from Scott in Victoria. Amazing win. Great to see the boys pull this one. Win together overall a great performance and nice to see Huberdo get two points on the night I thought that they were like it could have gone either way uh Flames were somewhat fortunate to only be down 3-2 after 40 Seattle was kind of fortunate to get this game to overtime the way the third period went it was kind of one of those nights where I think all in all an even game the Flames just found a way to score that extra goal uh, this says from Leandro, uh, win column, baby. You love to see it. Rough start from Vladar, but boy, did he redeem himself. Another strong game from Huberdo. I think that's four points in his last four. Honestly, the best stretch of games he's had as a flame. I agree on that front. He's uh, probably been the most dynamic the last three games or so that he has been since joining the Flames. Uh, the other thing, I, I did not find it to be a rough start for Vladar at all. Uh, maybe the done goal 
which beats him clean. But it's still a nice shot from Dunn at the point. The Eberly goal and the McCann goal uh, were both redirects. So I had really no problem with Vladar's game tonight. Thought he was one of the more important flames uh, in this win this evening. Uh, this from Claude. Pat, there are some buildings where luck and charm are on Calgary's side. Um, love the game more from the third period push and the fact that they can find a way to win in overtime. Love to see all these points from the defense given the lack of pure elite skill up front. Off to Smashville. Uh, this says um, from Dylan, even when he scores, he can't stay on his feet. Great game. He's talking about Manjapani. Great game to watch. Huberto looks borderline dynamic at times. Just so worried all these points and W's are going to distract management and ownership from the goal and make them re-engage in undeserved contract talks. This is... Um, my theory as to what might be the best way forward for the Flames as things stand on November 20th. This is the, the it came to me while I was having a few conversations with friends today on, on my phone, not on our text line, but just texting with some friends who are hardcore Flames fans. And I think as it stands right now, yeah, they're 5-1-2 and, and they're playing much better. I still think that we know this team is – should this team be a playoff team? Yeah, probably. They should be. Would you consider this team a Stanley Cup contender? Probably not. And that's 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 not doing – that's not me doing anything. I'm not trying to be negative. I just think when you are looking at it realistically, intellectually, honestly, when you're looking at this group, is this team a Stanley Cup contender? Probably not. Could they be a team that gets in and, and, you know, goes on a Cinderella run and gets to, you know, round two or round three and makes it interesting? Sure, anybody can. But when you look at the contenders, I don't think you point to the Flames just based on their lack of elite talent and, and some of the, I mean, some of the other things that we've seen this year. However, what we've seen with the infusion of youth, and I know Pospisil and Zeri didn't have the greatest game tonight, and um, Coronado is point per game since joining the Wranglers down there, and, and I don't think it's that far until Coronado's back on the big team. When you see what youth has done on this team, and you know that Huberto's playing a little bit better, and you've got certain guys under contract, what if the Flames traded away their UFAs between now and the trade deadline uh, and got nice returns for Tanev, for Hannafin, for Lindholm, and for, for Zadorov. They trade those guys away. Maybe they get some young NHLers back in one or two of those trades that can help right now and help in the future. Get picks, get prospects. Trade the UFAs and see what happens. Because... You bring in a couple of decent young players, gives the team a little bit of a spark. Huberto continues to improve. Kadri continues to play well. That isn't tearing it down to the studs. That is making pragmatic moves with what I think is a good but not elite team. You make your pragmatic moves. You stock up for the future and give yourself a chance to be really good in two or three years by making some of the trades now. But you don't also necessarily have to be bad. I mean, I take a look at what Nashville did last year. They traded away multiple players that would be right now helps. They gave young players a chance, and they almost still made the playoffs, and they were better once they made those trades. Or you look at what St. Louis did the year before. I want to say it was the year before they won the Stanley Cup. Same thing. Doug Armstrong said, well, we're probably not a playoff contender or a cup contender. Let's trade away a couple of guys right now. 
get some young talent back and maybe use some of that young talent or those picks to help us go out in the offseason and do other things. And again, the Blues, I believe they made the playoffs that year. Uh, If not, they just missed. And again, they played better once they made some of those pragmatic moves. That's kind of what's rattling through my brain as I'm looking at this team and seeing what happened in the first half or first 10 games. Now what we're seeing right now, because I I don't know if a $9 million annual deal for Elias Lindholm makes sense. I don't know if re-signing Tanev makes a ton of sense. Zadorov obviously doesn't want to be here. So I just wonder, you make a few pragmatic moves, you trade away your UFAs, doesn't necessarily mean that you're no longer a good team. Doesn't necessarily mean you miss the playoffs. That's kind of what's kicking through my head right now. A few more texts before we hit the phone lines. Uh, this from Ash. Easily the best game of the season from Huberdo. Also, the Flames have to do a better job of having strong shifts after scoring. They're much too passive on shifts after scoring a goal, in my opinion. Uh, I think Mick agrees. I think Wilsey agrees for sure. Um, this says, had a bad feeling about tonight's game. And as I thought the odds against Seattle would catch up to the Flames, turned out that the odds of the Flames winning winning an overtime game prevailed. Go Flames, go. Uh, this from Seb and McKenzie. Comeback Kids 2.0. Dare I say the Kadri and the Kids line and the Coleman-Backlin-Huberdo lines are clicking. As for the play, I was really impressed with the Flames zone entries, especially in the first. They looked fast and lethal. Really happy to see this team clicking the past eight. Happy Flames win. Oilers lose day to all who celebrate. This from Evan in Kelowna. What a game, Pat. With them looking very confident, say they go three of four on the road trip, do we reconsider the retool? Hate to be the guy, uh, that guy, but with the big guys going, they look scary. I'd be interested to know at what point they go back to looking at competing. I think that goes back to what I just said. I think there's a chance that you can do both this year if you do it right. And finally, from Stafford and Red Deer, um, Talk about a Jekyll and Hyde squad. Vladar made the saves when he had to. Huberto still on a roll. Manjapani gets his 100th goal. Hannafin Rock in the joint. Anderson playing clutch. I thought Zadorov and D. Simone struggled, especially in the first two periods. All the Flames, all the fans want is 60 minutes of effort, and they didn't get it tonight despite the victory. Hopefully they don't develop the mindset they can wait until the final 20 to kick it into fifth gear. They need more of the nasty hide and less of the complacent Dr. Jekyll. There you go on the text line at 960-960. More on the text line as we continue, but let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444. Flames win 4-3 in overtime. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. George is is kicking us off on the phone lines tonight. What's up, George? Not much, buddy. How are you this evening? I'm well. Nice. So let me ask you this to start off with. I know this team has employed a new defensive system, and it's taking taking a while. But and and I know they're looking better here lately with it. But let me ask you this: Do you think that this defensive system is kind of an Achilles heel in a way for this team because they seem to have trouble with teams that are fast. And I noticed that second period, again, Seattle looked like way faster than us. And, and, and that's not the first time I've seen that this season. On the flip side, did they not look much faster than Seattle in the third? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. How do you feel they're adapting to the system? Do you think it's actually finally working? 
I think they're I think they're getting more and more comfortable, not just in their own zone, but just overall with some of the adjustments they've made, some of their zone entries, some of their decisions, and the way they start to set up in the offensive zone, uh, some of the even philosophy in terms of creating offense once they're in there. I just think overall they are getting more comfortable in a lot of the things they're doing. Okay, because actually I had this thought in my mind prior to tonight's game, but I didn't bring it up for the simple fact that they actually have looked better that way. So it was like, well, maybe a little, you know, it took them 16, 17 games, whatever, but it actually, it's actually starting to click, hopefully. So that's why I kind of didn't bring it up, but it was something I was curious about watching that second period. Um, on to my next one here. Walker Dewar, for me, has been an unexpected, unexpected disappointment this year and in a bad season last year where he was actually one of the few standouts and i remember telling you like i wanted this guy signed i wanted this guy signed not only did they sign him but to a really good contract i mean even now it's not a terrible contract right but but this year has been the complete opposite i'm just kind of wondering what happened or what's going on with this guy because he was like yeah can't miss for his role last year and this year it's just even tonight like i didn't you think after being scratched for five games, you come out like like, you know, shot out of a cannon, and I didn't see it at all. And and like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back in the press box next game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I think part of it is that eventually, like we're talking about the NHL teams teams are very very like they're very prepared and so I, I don't think Walker Dewar is catching anybody by surprise anymore uh, I think that there absolutely is a um, an understanding this guy's got some speed this guy will take some shots and so I, I don't think he's catching anybody by surprise anymore I think that's probably uh, a first reason why maybe he has dropped off in the effectiveness category over the last little bit I also think for him uh, um, there's been some other young players who have jumped into this lineup and done really good things. Zary and Pospisil are the two that come to mind, obviously. And so you now have a little more competition and it's a little more difficult to keep your spot in a lineup. And yeah, and, and I also think that, I, I don't want to say complacency because I, I don't ever think that that would, uh, that, that's a... I don't think that's something that Walker would ever actually um, be victim to. Like, I don't think he is sitting there saying, oh, I'm in the NHL, I've got it made, going to kick my feet up and, and not try anymore. But I do think it is sometimes hard to replicate the urgency of trying to stay in your job when you felt like, you know, last year he turned into a regular NHLer in the final, you know, 30 games or whatever it was of the season, and he came into the season with a penned-in roster spot. There was no debate as to whether or not Walker Dewar was going to make the team. So, you know, I think sometimes your urgency can just naturally fall off. I think it's natural in, in any walk of life, whether you're playing pro sports or not. So, uh, him trying to re refine is that a word uh, reclaim that urgency I think is going to be really important for him I hope he can because really Patty like that guy to me is an x-factor player when he does I mean he certainly was last year well the good news so, is is that they've got another guy on that line who's kind of an x-factor on a regular basis in Greer so at least they still have somebody like that who plays a hard-nosed speedy game on the wing on the fourth line and can add some offense that's that's what AJ Greer has been able to do more often than not most definitely yeah, I agree with you 100% there uh 
the last three games, Huberto's looked like a completely different player. I mean, he's looked a lot closer to the player he was in Florida uh, as opposed to the player he's been his entire time here in Calgary so far. Like, this is the best stretch of game. The three games he's had, like, it's not even close. Like, uh, I'm not getting overly excited, but, you know, b- besides the points, too, which the points are important for a player like that because that's why we brought him here, obviously. So I can't say the points don't matter because they're first and foremost do matter. But... What I like, what I've seen, especially tonight, and I agree with Mr. Wills, I actually think tonight was his best game of the three so far. I like that he's he's playing with more bite. Like, he's hitting as something he's not really known for. He Honestly, Patty, and I could be wrong. This is just my observation, you know, from far away and from on a television screen, but he seems pissed off, and, and it seems like he's using that anger to fuel, fuel him. And, and when I say that, I say that in a positive light. Like, I think that's a good thing that he's actually using using the anger, maybe that – all this frustration of why isn't it clicking? And it's, it's actually, I don't know. I feel like he's directing that into something positive. I could be completely wrong about that, but that's what it, it seems like from watching from afar. Well, if, if that is what's happening and, and you could be bang on, then good on him. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, I want to compliment him on that because it's, it's, you know, it's taken way too long, but at the same time, if he can keep it up, I mean, whether this team is good, whether they're bad, whether they make the playoffs, whether they don't, like these are the kinds of players. Like you brought them up, you're giving them these contracts, this money, and they have they have formed this reputation of themselves because of what they've done in the past. So obviously, you want to see them live up to that, and you hope he can get to that and stay at that level. You know, so we'll see. It's three games, but you know, three in a row. That's that's better than like one on, one off. One on, five off. You know what I mean. Well, any forward momentum right now, I think, is is good on the Huberto front. So that's uh, that's good to 100%. see. Hundred percent. Yep. Thanks, George. Hundred percent. Hopefully, he keeps it up. All right, my man. Hey, have a good night. We'll talk soon, buddy. Yes, sir. Four zero three two four zero forty four forty four is your phone number. Following a Flames four three overtime win in Seattle, Will is up next. What's up, Will? Hey, Patty. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Ah, doing all right. At least we won in overtime. Yeah, it's been a it's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say uh, sorry for some of my previous calls. I get a one track mind, and <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I try. That's why I try. I try to uh, you know um, get you on the get you get you to move on sometimes so that you don't have the one track mind. <laughs> well. You know, I'm turning 43, dude, and uh, last time the Flames won the Cup, I was eight years old and not old enough to control the remote. So I've been a Flames fan all my life, and, you know, um, and I'm a huge Flames fan. I track the prospects, everything. So, <laughs> so yeah, I get a little bit uh, frustrated when things are going on and I get a little bit of a one-track mind. But um, I'm happy that uh, I'm not calling you on a shootout on Huberto. <laughs> I would have put I would have put Huberto in the shootout tonight too if it got there. The man always looks like he's trying to pass in the shootout. <laughs> I still would have put him in. He was having that good a night. But yeah, I was impressed with him. I thought he did well tonight, and. Uh, in terms of uh, Zadorov, 
I'm hoping the Flames can work something out with that guy. Because that's one guy I don't want to lose. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would get ready for him to be traded. Yeah, but I mean, I can understand his frustration when you got other contracts being pushed before his and then they hold off his, you know, eh. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I think a few things on Zadorov. I think that um, in the off season there was a, a feel that you know he wanted to stay, but they were making they, they were prioritizing some of the other things. They they had the Toffoli trade they needed to figure out, and then obviously figure out what's happening with Lindholm and Hannafin. Um, so those two were the priorities in the off season. Uh, come the start of the season, uh, I believe at some point the Zadorov camp went to the Flames and said. We'd like to sign long term. I, I think that the I, I want to say that at some point in the early stages of camp or early stages of the season, you know, there was it was communicated that yeah, he wants to be here and he wants to be here long term. Uh, the Flames weren't interested in in going with that term as it stands right now. So I think when you combine that and the fact that he's playing, you know, number five defense minutes right now. And the fact, I, I honestly do think that the, you know, there was that, uh, the, the, the comments that he made about too many individuals and stuff like that, I think that didn't necessarily go over the best inside that room. You take all of those things into consideration and you have a trade request and you have a guy who may not be here for all that much longer. True enough, but his comments that he made made, re- made me uh, respect him a whole lot more. Because they were right out honest. But if you're a teammate and you've got – that was during their poor 10-game start – You've got guys getting suspended. You've got all this you got all this noise around who's staying, who's going. Does this guy want to be here? Does this guy not want to be here? They're losing. And then you have that, and, and all of a sudden, Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund and a few other guys are having to be asked about that in public. I'm not saying that what he said was wrong or right, but if you're a teammate, do you not say, could you maybe keep that behind closed doors? There's enough noise. There are enough distractions. We don't need to bring some on ourselves. And I think that might be where some of the frustration came from with those initials, Adorov comments. And then a trade request ends up going public. So it was probably all of that that made him uh, request a trade. I think all those things combined have led us to where we are, yeah. Well, I do hope that they work it out with him because um, I can find him as being top two D. I don't know, man. He can he's be on tw- the second pairing. He's oh, you mean top two pair? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I could. I, I think that he's probably. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much more progression there is. He's, he'll be twenty nine at his next birthday, but you know, um, I, I think the top four, like a top two pairing defenseman is, is probably his ceiling. And I still think it is, it is doable right now. He's playing on a third pair. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a pretty decent chance that he could be that on a lot of teams in this league. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather lose Hannafin and keep that guy. Fair enough. I, I don't quite understand that because I think Hannafin impacts the game significantly more than Zadorov does. But, um, hey, that's that we, we can disagree on that one. 
Well, I just look at it as, like, physical, right? Zadorov is a big guy. And that man, when he throws a hit, he doesn't lose position. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Zadorov's a poor player. I think he's a I think I think he's been a real nice find for the Flames. I'm just saying that you know Hannafin's pretty good. The the dislike for Hannafin I've never quite understood. He's pretty good, pretty good player, pretty important player on this team. He was pretty good again tonight. Yeah, and I like Hannafin a lot. I was very happy when we got Hannafin. Uh, but you know, if I had to choose between the two, I'd I'd be taking Zadorov. Fair enough, Will. I appreciate the call, man. You have yourself a great night. All right, Patty. Hey, thank you very much for uh, your patience, eh? Always. You're a regular. Of course I'll be patient. Just means that sometimes I give you a little bit of a hard time, too. Well, I'll try to be a lot better, okay? <laughs> no, you're great. Thanks, Will. Good stuff, buddy. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Let's uh, say hello to Travis on the phone lines, 403-240-4444. Flames win 4-3 in overtime on the road in Seattle. Let's say hello to Travis. What's up, Trav? Hey, Pat. Um, um, good win tonight. Good win. Zadorov, I don't know. I think since uh, his agent came out, he actually hasn't played that great, I think. It was kind of a wrong move by his agent. It just it puts way more pressure yeah, I agree. on Zadorov. And yep. I don't think he's performed as well as he probably could. Yep. So um, to compare Hannah, Zadorov and Hannafin, Hannafin's a much better defenseman than Zadorov. And unfortunately, when we trade our defenseman coming up here, it, it's, it's a little bit worrisome because I think no matter what happens, that's what's about to still happen. Um, I, I I think these guys will be traded. So when you lose Hannafin, Zadorov, and Tanov off your defense core, there's going to be some struggles. Depends who <laughs> comes back in the trade, right? Like depends who is is coming back in return. Uh, and I do I do believe the Flames are just as interested in in young NHLers as they are in um in picks and prospects. So, you know, if, if a Hannafin trade, for instance, gets them a young NHL defenseman who can play right now, like a 22, 23 year old D man and gets him a first round pick. Well, then maybe it's, you're not subtracting, you're not subtracting a, a body um, in totality. Won't be as good a defenseman as Hannafin right now, but at the very least, you're still getting somebody in there who can, who can play right now. Right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. But, yeah, they definitely won't be as good. Right? Um, you can see the impact Hannafin makes on the game. Does he have blunders once in a while? Sure, but he plays a lot of minutes, and, um, you know, he he does a lot of things well. So um, his – yeah, that's all i got to say there, I guess. Um, it's nice to see Hubert, though. That, that's probably the most I've seen him smile in the last couple of games since he's been in Calgary. And um, – He's definitely had an impact on both sides of the puck, um, passing, less less turnovers, um, you know, we, pretty regularly through the start of his uh, Flames career over the last couple of seasons, a lot of turnovers, you notice. And you see less of that in the last few games. Yep. Um, you know, j- just a lot of things, I guess. It, it's actually um, it brings some hope, hope as a Flames fan that that continues because um, that could be pretty important for the team. Yep. Um, and 
and honestly, yeah, the team's playing better, and a lot of the players that we needed to step up have been better. But the guys we're trading, that also just brings more value to them. If they're playing well when we're about to trade them, that's better for the Flames as well. Yeah, I think that there is no downside in the team playing better and individuals playing better, whether the Flames are wanting to keep these guys or whether or not the Flames are looking to trade these guys. There's there's zero downside in Hannafin playing well, in Tanev being what he always is. Uh, Zadorov, yeah, I think that his game has dipped a little bit, and Lindholm is playing better too. There, there's there's zero downside in those guys playing well right now because if you are looking to stay the course and remain competitive, well, you need those guys to be some of your best players. And if you are going to end up trading them, and we can understand why the Flames would, well, then you want to have their value at its highest, which would obviously be if they're playing well too. So, yeah, I don't see any downside to the way these guys are playing right now. And let's not forget Vladar is probably a, a trade candidate as well, right? Um, or Markstrom. The last week, um, or Markstrom. Do you, do you see Markstrom going? We'll see which way. If, if they do decide to go in a different direction – then I can see Markstrom being a guy that maybe isn't super enthralled with uh, a rebuild himself. And then when does it stop, though? Then is Kadri next, and who else? Like, he's just going to trade everyone off the team? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that'd just be, like, everyone's going to want to. That's why I say if if you can make some pragmatic deals with your UFAs and show the rest of the group that you're not going into um, a, a stretch where you're going to be poor for X amount of years, uh, maybe that that is able to mitigate some of these players wanting out. I've seen something online today, too, about term with Zadorov. Do you know if that was even an issue in contract negotiations? I, I, I don't. Were you listening earlier? I like. You're on hold. Do you not listen when you're on hold? Uh, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> just wait. I mostly do, but I've been distracted. No, I didn't. I didn't. Hear. Yeah, that, that's that. That was something that I said a little earlier when we were talking about Zadorov. That uh, I, I think that we, when talking to Will, the last caller, that uh, I think earlier in the season, early camp or um, early in the season, I, I think there was some sort of communication from the Zadorov camp where they wanted some term. Um, and the Flames weren't willing to go term. Um, I, I, I think we first said that a couple of weeks ago that, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why we are where we are with Zadorov. that he was looking for term and the Flames weren't necessarily interested in going term and they've paused contract negotiations, period. So you've got Zadorov wanting a longer-term deal and the Flames not being interested in that. You've got them, you know, kind of prioritizing Zadorov below some other guys. You've got him playing as a number five defenseman, and you've got some of the other stuff going on with, you know, the noise and could you keep some of the stuff in the room. All those things combined for where I think we are with Sidorov right now. Uh, that's promising as a Flames fan to know that Conroy isn't just giving out term blindly, you know, because I think. That's exactly what happened with Toffoli, man. Toffoli wanted a seven- or an eight-year deal. They said, we can't do that. Toffoli said, well, then I'd I'd like to be traded. So they traded him. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And that's what's promising. Um, You know, you can – 
I, I think you can overcome overpaying dollars, but when you overpay term, it's so hard to get yourself out of that, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it we got to wrap really up nice here quick, see, Trav. Yeah, it, it's just nice to see that the Flames um, they haven't kind of made you think they're out of it. They they've um, played hard and battled, and that's what you like to see as a fan. So thanks, Pat. Good to hear from you, man. Be well, hey. Yeah, take care. We'll talk soon. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames take a 3-2, uh, 4-3 rather, overtime win on the road in Seattle as we say hello to Anand on this Monday night. What's up, Anand? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, great game tonight. Uh, I want to almost maybe call our Flames boys now the comebackers. Uh, because they have uh, come along uh, nicely well uh, with the overtime win as well. Uh, Congratulations to Rasmus Anderson, Michael Backlund, all uh, play great. Even Huberto, you saw that uh, uh, goal in the power play. Uh, Looks like our power play unit is stringing back, so good job. Uh, Great penalty kill. Uh, One concern for the game uh, tonight, I'll just say... uh, I know you've been talking with the other callers as well, but Zadorov, how he, um, once he has for the trade request, how his game has dropped off, uh, especially taking those two penalties, you would agree, right? Yeah, I, I don't think he's been as strong, definitely, since the trade request. I... Um... He, the the first game that he played with that trade request, he was awful. That was in Ottawa. I thought he was a little better in the two home games they played. thought he was actually quite good against Vancouver for the most part. Uh, didn't really mind him against the Islanders, but I thought he was uh, he struggled again in this one. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's how I would uh, that's how I would characterize it with Sidorov has not been as good since the trade request. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, do we have a timeline of when we're going to see Coronado called up, maybe? Um... As of right now, no. However, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be too, too much longer. And also, you know, I, I, I definitely think the Flames have shown so far this year, Anand, that uh, when they're when, when, when guys aren't going, they're willing to put guys on waivers and they're willing to open up room for guys who are going. So, you know, if, if Walker Dewar doesn't get his game a little bit more back in order, maybe they do look at bringing Coronado back in. In fact, they don't even need to put anybody on waivers right now. They've got the cap space and they've got yeah. the roster space to recall a guy like Coronado. So if they're looking at it and saying, well, you know what? Rizicka isn't going right now. Neither is, is Dewar. Maybe a recall of Coronado is not that far away. And after this road trip, he's a guy that could come back in. I, I think they, they've got options and, and I don't think it's too too far away. He's uh, up to eight points in eight games since he joined the Wranglers. Gotcha. And one question regarding Doher. Uh, do you think it's uh, because of uh, him get, uh, what they call getting started again after the 4-5 game uh, break he had or has he been struggling in general? What have you noticed? Yeah, he's generally just not been as effective this year. Alright, sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Betty, for taking my call. Have a good night and oh. talk to you soon again. Okay, Anna, you be well, buddy. Appreciate the call. Uh, phone lines are open. Got a few lines open right now at 403-240-4444 as the Flames take a 4-3 overtime victory 
on the road in Seattle, and they're now 5-1-2 and two in their last eight games. A, a much better run than uh, what we had seen from them before, uh, no doubt about it. Let's uh, select tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic, and uh, tonight we're going to go with Andrew Mangiapane. Mangiapane, I thought, had a really strong game as the night went along, especially as the lines got thrown into a blender. This was uh, Mangiapane's stat line. He scores the game-tying goal for his 100th career goal. Uh, he led the team with seven shot attempts. He led the team with three high-danger scoring chances on his stick, and he also had uh, four scoring chances overall. Uh, on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, Mangiapane led the team with a 51.5% uh, share of possession. When he was on the ice, Flames outscored the Kraken 2-1, and they had a 4-2 edge in high-danger chances as well. Thought it was a solid night for Andrew Mangiapane, and he hits that milestone of his 100th career goal. And Andrew Mangiapane is tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. We just named him our player with heart, and he tied the game with his 100th career NHL goal. Let's hear from Andrew Mangiapane inside the Flames locker room following tonight's 4-3 overtime win. Maybe just start with uh, kind of the emotion as you see uh, Rasmus maybe get a couple of chances there in overtime, but finally bury one. Yeah, it's a great play. Uh, you know, he had, had some speed on, on the outside. And it was good. I thought he scored kind of on the first one on the wraparound there, and uh, glad that Kanek stuck with it and it came back to him, and it was a great goal by him. He just talked about how big that felt, uh, you know, given the overtime win um, and, and kind of the comeback as well. I mean, what did you guys kind of take away from, from that night? Yeah, I think our, our start was good. Uh, second wasn't our best, and then it was good that we were able to kind of, you know, rally behind, just kind of going out there and just playing our game right in the third, right? And uh, it's a good kind of greasy win. I think, uh, you know, we got to clean up some areas, but it was good that we were able to, you know, find a way in the third and have a good comeback win. How perfect is it that your 100th goal is scored like about 80 of your other ones were yeah. right in the blue paint. Yeah, yeah, I just knew the puck was kind of going in the net there. It was a good uh, play by, uh, you know, Lindy and you know all the guys on the ice to win the draw. And it was a simple play, and I knew the puck was going there. So I was uh, happy that it kind of hit off me and went in. The, the confidence, I, I think it's too early to call it swagger, but the belief that you guys could come back in that third period, it's starting to come, right? You guys probably yeah. felt it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're a tough team when we all play together and we all play the right way. Right, and um, you know, at times we kind of got to get away from it. And we got to clean that up. But I think when uh, we really want to and, and want to bear down, and we are a tough team to tough team to play against. There's Andrew Mangiapane post game following tonight's uh, 4-3 overtime win in Seattle. He scores his 100th career NHL goal. It also ties the game and sends it to overtime before Rasmus Anderson wins it. On that goal, Michael Backlund picked up his 500th career point. So a couple milestones back to back uh, on the last two goals for the Calgary Flames. That's our final trip inside the Flames locker room. We've heard from Andrew Mangiapane, Rasmus Anderson, and Ryan Huska. We also heard live from Mr. 500, Michael Backlund, as he helped kick us off on our Flames Talk post-game show this evening. Let's look ahead as this road trip continues. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com.
And uh, next up on this four-game road trip for the Flames is Wednesday night in Nashville. Flames already have a win over the Predators this year. They came back to beat them 4-2 earlier this month on November 6th. Calgary now 2-3-4 and four against the Preds in their last nine matchups. That dates back to February of 2020. So that's next up for the Flames. The Predators on Wednesday. That's a 7 o'clock face-off uh, on Sportsnet 360. Trip wraps up Friday in Dallas, 6.30 p.m., and then Saturday in Colorado at 8 p.m. Uh, one for one so far on this four-game road trip that continues Wednesday. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's dive back in on the text line now at 960-960. Uh, this says uh, from Brett in Calgary. Pat, quick comment. Huska said in his post game that certain guys are saying the right things between periods and were mad being down. Sounds like leadership has the room this year. If that's the case, good news. Definitely the fact they have a captain could be a big part of that. And uh, certainly Michael Backlund seems like he's growing more and more into his role. If you heard hour one of Monday's Flames Talk in the PM, we talked a lot about that. Uh, really feels like Backlund starting to settle in as captain of this team. This reads from Sam Pat. Great comeback win tonight. Definitely showing signs of the comeback flames. Congrats to Backlund for .500 and Naman Japani for goal 100. Things are trending in the right direction and it's fantastic to see Huberdo starting to be noticeable and producing. To me, he looks a lot more loose and starting to see more positive body language. Let's keep it rolling. That comes from Sam. Uh, this says, I enjoyed the Flames win a lot, but got to admit, I enjoyed the Oilers loss more. Um, this says from Eric and An uh, Airdrie, funny enough, I was explaining to my sons how the Flames lost in Anaheim forever and that this, God willing, will be the new streak, bleep Anaheim. I can't tell you what the actual word was uh, because this is a friendly show. Uh, this says, congrats to Bax and Mange. Bax is really showing strong leadership skills and turning things around. Uh, this reads from Joel and Springbank. Seeing how the young players like Zary and Pospisil have played has made me actually cheer for the Flames to lose so they can start this rebuild instead of being in the mushy middle. A tale as old as time. They'll finish two points out of a playoff spot and draft 15th. So Joel bringing the mood down tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. Um... This says Nashville last year should be the gold. Trade the UFAs for picks and prospects while also staying competitive. I know it won't result in the super high pick, but quantity can be better than quality. That's kind of where I am right now. That's kind of my feel. I said that a little earlier, and uh, this says, Pat, I echo the thoughts exactly as to how the Flames should proceed with their UFAs. Nashville's a great comparison. Leverage the value of your free agents by making high-value trades. This does not mean they have to be tanking. The youth to this point has been a big catalyst to Calgary's improved play, in my opinion. Getting younger in a trade may even push the Flames into being more of a serious contender. Thanks. That was an exciting game. Uh, this says, Huberdeau is now playing like an NHL player. Nothing more, nothing less. Hopefully he continues to get back to his old self. I disagree with the one caller where let's not focus on the dollars. Wow, $10 million. I think that's something to focus on. Um, this says... Uh, it, 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 the second text says, 
don't be a dick, Pat. Um, I don't know what that's about, but I will read the first text anyway. Um, how's that for not being a dick? Uh, this says, love the professional approach of all the players, coaching staff, etc. cetera, uh, of late. Vladar's upping his trade keep value. I think one of the current keepers will be traded before the deadline. If Wolf doesn't take over a position between the pipes this season, it'll be another investment wasted. I don't know enough about what's available to Conroy to get back, what you think he should uh, get for the UFAs, but uh, as is evident, there will be a little tweaking happening, loving the success they're having lately. I don't understand why you're angry at me, uh, but um, I hope you have a good night. This says, from Will and BC, lots of talk about trading defensemen like Tanev, Hannafin, and Zadorov, but I'm wondering is, have the Flames written off Shillington? As good as he is, are we not expecting him back? I, I don't think that at, as it stands right now, the expectation is that he comes back. That does not mean that that's impossible, but I think the Flames are, are going forward as if Shillington is not part of, of the equation uh, as it stands right now. This says, Pat, I like what you're saying about trading the pending UFAs for some packages that might include young NHLers. One thing I'm concerned about is the 1C position. Seems like the only real way to get those guys is by drafting high. Is it an absolute pipe dream for some of these UFAs to sign shorter deals? I don't really have an issue with any of them staying with the team. It's just staying past three years or so that's the problem. Too much to ask for Lindholm to take a short deal at this point his career I'm guessing yeah I I don't think that you'll be able to see I I don't think Hannafin or Lindholm would be interested in anything short term because they're at the spot where they can hit it big especially Lindholm he won't have another opportunity to hit it big quite like this so I I doubt that either of those guys would sign short term and and Zadorov is in a spot where he might be looking longer term I think you have a better chance with like a Zadorov or Tanev on a shorter term deal but definitely on the Hannafin and Lindholm front I think that's quite unrealistic for them to stay in Calgary and sign short term Jamie says, Pat, I'm trying to st- trying to stay cautiously optimistic, but I'm still very concerned about the seeming lack of ability to stay engaged for a whole game. It's an alarming consistency for this team that makes me think they still need something. I just hope Conroy can figure out what it is because I just can't put a finger on it. The pieces all seem to be there, but it's an evasive result so far this year. Still glad for the improvements the last couple of weeks for sure. Go Flames. Um, this says, do you think that with how the flood, the team's slow start, slowed down extension talks, if they get to say 12, 10 and three, that they'll be back on, or will they really wait it out now? I, I think that really waiting it out is maybe the smarter bet as it stands right now. Jim in the Southwest says, really nice win tonight. You have to be proud of the way this team battles and both the coach and the captains deserve some credit. I think Backlund's acquitted himself quite well so far. I saw some fans complaining about the line blender in the third, but it worked. They took over the game because the coaches identified the right players, so I hope that fans can give some credit too. How do you think the Flames will handle the tough upcoming schedule? On that question remains to be seen because it is a very tough schedule. Nashville's going to be fun on Wednesday. That's a winnable game for either team, but I think it's a winnable game for Calgary. And then that Dallas-Colorado gauntlet back-to-back is going to be really interesting. Just want to see them show the, the same type of fight. You know, results are what they are. Effort-wise, if, if they can be good in Dallas and Colorado, depending on what happens in Nashville, I think you can come home uh, feeling like you had a pretty good trip. A pretty good trip. 
Um, this says from Parsons, congrats to Backlund on his 500th point and Manjapani on his 100th goal. Great game by Anderson and Huberdo. Zadorov's looking off lately. I thought Vladar had a decent game too. Good character win with sticking to it. There you go on the text line at 960-960. We got three more calls to get for get to on this Monday night at 403-240-4444. It's your Flames Talk postgame show and Jennifer is the uh, first of our three final calls. What's up, Jennifer? Hey, Patman. What's going on? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Um, yeah, I just had to say, like, the momentum on the last few games has been really great. Um, and I feel like the boys are feeling it now. Yeah, feels like it right now. Yeah. So I was, like, in Toronto last week, and I was at the game, and then I was at the Islanders game on Saturday, and, like, it was kind of disappointing that we lost in a shootout because they actually played really, really well. You know what I mean? They, they that was again another ebbs and flows game. It was uh, that, that was not which what one? I would call a, a sexy sixty minuter. But again, Wait, as they've one? shown, they've stuck Toronto with it. Or, right? uh, Islanders. Oh, you're talking about the Islanders game? Oh, either or, because I said both. Are well, you both. You know what? Both the Toronto and the New York game were kind of the same ebbs and flows, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. But I was really impressed that they actually like, um, you know, they they got back up to four and it was actually a fun game. And tickets at Scotiabank are so expensive. So as much as I hate a shootout, I was kind of happy that it went to a shootout in a sense. But like, hey, I got my money's worth. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought Vidar saved us uh, a lot tonight. I feel like my heart stopped a couple times on a few of those shots on goal in overtime. Um, so question for you. Do you believe in the kind of like that Thanksgiving myth, American Thanksgiving, of course. I don't think it's like a myth. I think it, I think that the, uh, the um, numbers are actually pretty, um, they're pretty accurate. Like the, the amount yeah. that um, we see teams either make it or not make it if they're in or not at American Thanksgiving is, is actually pretty impressive. It's by no means a, uh, it's by no means ironclad. But it's not some- but I, I also but think that there's something to it. Of course. Um, so we've got. So if we lost an OT for like a significant number of these games upcoming, like, do you think we'd still make it? What do you mean? Well, I don't know. Like, we've got like a bunch of hard games coming up. Like, if we just kind of got one point for like a number of these games. Well, I mean, uh, like. It's better to get one than none, but also you want to find like this is this was important for them to win an overtime game because it hasn't been something they've done a lot of. Yeah. Um, do you think Connor is going to wait until the deadline to make moves? Uh, maybe on some, but on on others, I I think it might take a, uh, it might be a little bit quicker. Okay, I've got one last question for you. Yeah. <laughs> So if we continue what we're doing, the momentum's good, boys are feeling it, what do you think we need realistically? Like, what's the dream position? Like, what are we missing on our team? Like, scorers, centers, picks, Ds, like... Definitely, definitely they need more scoring depth. So some sort of some sort of scoring help. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, Jennifer, you have yourself a great night, hey? You too, man. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. Bye. Be well. We'll talk soon. For sure. Uh, Two more calls before we wrap things up. Let's say hello for the first time this season to our buddy, Nigel. What's up, Nigel? I think Peter Marr talked about, like, the second 20-game season being, like, the truly defining 
um, thing as to whether a team would make the playoffs yes. or not. Yes, that was his. That was always Peter Mars. Um, was was Peter Mars' real kind of uh, true barometer? Was the yeah. second quarter of a four quarter season? Right. Have you ever seen Point Break before, Pat? Point Break? No, I have not. That's the surfing movie, right? Yeah, with like uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, Keanu Reeves. I've never seen Point Break. Oh, so your reference—I bet your reference will be bang on. I just will be poor yeah, at. Uh, yeah, thank you. Playing so, on. like, uh, it goes like pop quiz hot shot, which is like something that Patrick Swayze says when he's trying to persuade uh, Keanu Reeves to like jump out of a plane. So he goes, "Pop quiz hot shot. What's the better contract? Noah Hannafin seven times seven, or Nikita Zadora four times five? Uh, what's the better contract in terms of like value? Well, just like anything, you can. You're the you're the host of this flames thing. You four times five. I, I think I would prefer just because right term right. Although I don't mind. I don't mind Hannafin seven by seven. Actually, you know what? I'll go Hannafin seven by seven. I don't mind that that dollar figure all that much at all. You know, when if you're if you're bumping it uh, any higher than seven, Hannafin I get a little leery. Seven million dollars a year. What's that? And like you're cool paying Hannafin seven dollars, like seven mil a year. I think that's what he's going to get ish on the open market. Um, he might be a guy because he's American that is willing to go a little bit less. So he might be if if he gets traded and re-signed somewhere, maybe he's at six two five or six five. But to keep him in Calgary, if he's he would be willing to go seven by seven, I I think that his age, the amount the amount he plays, all that type of stuff, I, I'd probably go actually Hannafin seven by seven. But I wouldn't go higher than seven mil. So, Pat, where are we with this franchise, right? I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah. Where, where are we? They remain at a crossroads, man. Like, you know, the same way that you, you can't. good? What's that? Do you think it's good? I think it is good that they're at a crossroads, yeah. Oh, no, no. Like, uh, do you think that they're, like, at, like, the positive place in this crossroads? Uh, Don't know yet. Right. I think, so, like, I think what I would say is that they're at a spot where they probably um, it's probably good that they're going to trade multiple of their unrestricted free you think agents they will, because though? what's like, that cuz like isn't like the the like top down sort of thing is like stay competitive right like do you think Conroy will be allowed yes. to like do, do yep do, i do, do. <sighs> Well, Flames fans, that's great. It's coming up. Pat Steinberg's mouth right here. Because um, I'm a little bit scared right now, dude. Like, man, like, uh, the amount of talent that left with, like, uh, obviously, like, Johnny and Monty and uh, Kachuk. Like, it's weird. Like, who's untouchable right now? Um, I would say Wolf. I would say Anderson. I would say, you know, I, I would I would probably just by virtue of because of their age, I'd put some of the younger Coronado players. Coronado and Zeri. Yeah, I'd say Zeri and Coronado I'd put in that mix. Yep. Um, 
Agree completely with Anderson, by the way. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I would put truly in the untouchable category. Do you think, do you category. think Anderson is like put himself into like the top 20 D-man of this league? Because I think he's kind of getting there. I haven't loved him since coming back off the suspension, but in saying that, I think that he, like what we saw from him tonight, for instance, and what we know he's capable of, and even what we saw from him last year, I guess what I'd say is this. Last year, I thought he already did. So, like, like consistency, like, has to do with it. <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm a little despondent here, dude. I, uh, I'm not sure where this is headed, and I'm very concerned. Like, obviously, like, Wolf, like, um, all the love uh, towards him or whatever. Like, how could you stomach a Markstrom trade to Edmonton? No. <laughs> no, I could not. <laughs> Why not? Just because. What if, what, what, what if it was the What if the return was really good? That would like that would make me their... stomach it a little better. Oh, like because like there's like a one for one fit here, isn't there? Like they need a number one goalie, and uh, we need some like everything. So who would the one be on the other side? Uh. I think the only thing that we could like rationally trade for them would be like Evan Bouchard, but they need defense anyway. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't think, even know. I don't think that I don't think that one would fly with the Oilers. Honestly, as much as they need goaltending, and as much as they were hot and heavy for Markey uh, in in October of 2020, I, I still don't know if they would be willing to give up Bouchard for a 30 plus year old goaltender. Maybe they would, but I that that seems a little far fetched. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I agree, but, like, so, like, would you agree with trading Markstrom if this season If this season got off the rails and they were really deciding to go in a different, like, a very different direction, then, yeah, I would, because I don't even know how interested Jacob would be in being a part of a a big-time step back, right? Right. And so, like, like we're in this weird position, right? Like, like it's... uh, I know it's, and that's why, that's why I really am interested in the whole idea of, like, can you do what Nashville did last year, where they traded away a lot of UFAs, stayed competitive, and almost made the playoffs? Can you do that? Get younger by the trades you make, and and all of a sudden, if you've got yourself three first round picks in this year's draft, yeah, and you make the playoffs, I, I don't know. I, that, that that doesn't sound like the worst scenario at all. Do you think, do you, do you think and Zeri? are like middle six like like are those things we can bet on uh pospisil and zeri yeah like in terms of like uh i think zeri yes i'm still and i i don't want to take anything away from pospisil but i i i do want to see a little bit more just uh he's been great stuff i guess like a little bit more like time played to like understand maybe like his like long long yeah effect yeah But I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty like I'm feeling a whole lot more positive about that than I would have before he made his NHL debut. So okay, weird weird like extra one. Do you think Zeri is better than Pelche? Uh, different. I think they they'll be very different in terms of what their impact is. I think Zeri's got like I think Zeri's got or or would be a better offensive player. I think he'll impact the offensive game more than Pelche. Right. Uh, I think Pelche's 
two-way game and and penalty killing and, and that other type of stuff, stuff and yeah. other stuff that's, yeah. that's really good about him yeah i just think that like man like with like the bad contracts that we have and like let's not even like like talk about like we don't have them uh we need like young players that are impactful that play Absolutely. well right oh man i'm not i'm not too, super stoked right now um I'm a little afraid. Um, last one for you, mm-hmm. Dan Vladar. If if so, we want Wolf, right? We want him up. How does that work? So if we're not trading Markstrom, like how? Like what does that look like? Does Vasilevsky have to be like injured for a lot more? Like what? What does that look like? Does you know? I do think if if they're not going to trade markstrom which i i don't really think is is front of mind for them right now at all then yeah i think dan vladar would be the guy that they look to trade i think there's more spots that you could look to that that could be um decent spots for him so um yeah that would be that would be the guy that would make the most sense right and then clear cap space and like have like dudes like come up i don't know <sighs> We're in a purgatory right now, Pat, and it's weird. Um, love me some Conray, but like this is a quagmire, and it is. It's going to be really interesting to see how he navigates like I, it. Sorry, go ahead, Pat. I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how he navigates it because I think the word you use right. is a good one. It is a quagmire. Yeah, like it, like it's weird, dude. Like, like we have to like, or he has to like, figure out some way to like. Get out of cap hell. Manage two like large contracts. Um, when Hannafin's gone, like who's playing like defense? When Zorov's gone, who's playing defense? Right? Like yep. Nick Nick D Simone has been wonderful, and like God bless him or whatever. But like I don't know. It's like Poirier ready is like slowly off. Or, well, I think Poirier or, is, and I, Nigel, we got to wrap up. It's uh, wonderful to hear you. That was a wonderful call, as per usual. We will uh, talk soon. Thank you, pal. Um, uh, thanks, dude. Bye bye, au revoir, à bientôt. Um, the 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 what to, to finish to to give a, an answer to Nigel's final question there. Few things. First of all, I think they could bring Solovyov back up and and be okay with him playing. Poirier's hurt, so he's still a ways away from even returning at the American League level. Um, so I don't think he'd be as realistic. But say you trade Hannafin and you trade Zadorov, and you trade Tanev. Well, Solovyov comes back up. He plays. Maybe in the Hannafin trade, you get a young defenseman back and a first-round pick. So that young defenseman, like 22, 23-year-old defenseman, now he's playing everyday minutes. You've got Solovyov in. Um, look, I mean, it, it'll it'll definitely be it'll definitely deplete them, um, but. That is part of what goes along with the territory when you make pragmatic moves. Uh, maybe Gilbert plays a little bit more. Yeah, they'll definitely not be as deep on defense for uh, a temporary period of time, but I still think it's something that they absolutely have to be considering. They cannot, specifically on Hannafin, probably on Zadorov, and 100% too on Lindholm, those three guys, they cannot let go for nothing. It would be poor asset management if they didn't sign and didn't trade those guys before the deadline and then any one of them walked away for nothing. It would be straight up poor asset management. And the good news is, is that Craig Conroy agrees wholeheartedly that it is poor asset management. And and I fully believe that Conroy will either sign these guys 
not all of them. I can almost guarantee you that two of those guys will be traded because I I don't think that all four of them are going to sign. So when that's the case, you've got to make some pragmatic moves. The only guy that I would be okay with them letting walk for nothing would be Tanev. But I also think you'd be missing an opportunity of cashing in pretty big on him. Tanev's the deadline guy for me. Tanev's the guy right around late Feb, early March that you can get a haul for from a team that feels like they're a contender. Zadorov, Hannafin, Lindholm, I think you make those deals a little before the deadline. Anyway, we'll see how it plays out. It's Quagmire for sure. Brett, you're our final call tonight. Brett, welcome to Flames Talk post game. What's going on? Uh, not much. How are you? I'm good. Just on my way back to Vancouver, drove down for the game. Uh, definitely worth the drive. Oh, nice! You uh, you uh, took the three-hour drive down uh, I-5, hey? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just on my way back up here, so I have some time on my hands. Figured I'd give you a call. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Huberto uh, definitely. I think it was his best game in the flame, from what I saw. He had a couple great hits. He had a couple really good defensive plays, and I just thought he was all over tonight. He was really buzzing. Yeah, I thought he was really strong tonight too. And and you know, and whether it was or wasn't, I I think it's one of them. So, the, and and I thought he played really well against the Islanders. He obviously had the two points against Vancouver. So that's what five points in his last three games. I think that's uh, that's that's promising. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting to see him uh, heating up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add, uh, on the last call, you guys had uh, the list of untouchables. I would add Weger to that list. Yeah, I, I think you could put him into that mix. The only, only thing that I, I worry about, again, worry is the wrong word, but the only thing that, that like um, sticks out in my mind is if they are going drastically in a different direction, and, and we don't know if they will or won't, but if they really decide to pivot hard and, and go real young and, and go maybe lean into it a little bit more than what I suggested earlier, just trading the UFAs, then how much is, is Uyghur super invested at his age being a part of a, a, a longer rebuild? But yeah, I think that he's a really big part of what this team is trying to do for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess if you're going like a whole full rebuild, then it's probably not worth keeping him around. But I think if they're going the Nashville route, and I think it's definitely... For uh, sure, for sure. I think he's been one of the better players on the team pretty consistently this season. Yeah, he's had a good year, um, and and he's really started to grow into, since about midway through last year, grow into the guy that the Flames believed that they were getting when they acquired him. Yeah, I think he had a bit of a slow start, but he's really come into his own. Yep, agreed. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm also concerned about, like, if you're trading three of your top five defensemen, then that could be that could be trouble. But I was thinking about Jan Kuznetsov. I don't know what you think about him getting a chance in the NHL. And that's another name that could, could absolutely enter into the conversation. You know, if they do decide to go down that road, it opens the door for younger players to get their shot. And, yeah, it, it'll probably be a scenario where the, they're not as deep and there are more growing pains on defense. But if you're making those deals, you're prepared to deal with that. And you're okay kind of – sustaining those or suffering those slings and arrows because you're look you, you've got a bigger picture in mind right yeah I, I have one last question for you too I've been thinking the, the last 
few, or probably the whole season. I'd like to see uh, Huberto play with Dubé. And I was wondering what you think about that, just because Dubé brings a lot of speed and puck-carrying ability that Huberto can use. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, if all of a sudden the effectiveness drops off a little bit for Jonathan, that, that absolutely is something that I think they could try. All right, well, I better uh, – I'm getting close to the border here, so I'll let you go. Okay. Uh, cross the border safe and uh, safe drive the rest of the way back home to Van Hey, Thanks for the call, Brett. That was good. Yeah, have a good night, man. All right, thanks, Brett. That'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you very much for all your phone calls and for all your texts. Great night on both this evening as we move towards the end of our Flames Talk post-game show this evening. It's time for tonight's final summary. Here's how tonight's game went. Back and forth we went uh, and eventually decided in overtime. The Flames opened the scoring at 116 of the first period. Elias Lindholm rifles home his fourth of the season to make it 1-0. Lindholm from Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger. Kraken tie. Vince Dunn makes it 1-1 at 8.42 of the first period. Dunn's third from Alex Wenberg in a 1-1 tie. Flames regain the lead on the power play at 11.40. Jonathan Huberdeau's fourth of the year. Huberdeau from Anderson and Nazem Kadri. Flames led 2-1 after 20. Second period belonged to Seattle. They score twice. They tie it at 8.21 on Jordan Eberle's third of the year. Eberle from Dunn and Yanni Gord. Uh, that came at 8.21. Just over two minutes later, Jared McCann redirects home the go-ahead goal. McCann's eighth from Adam Larson at 10:25, and the Kraken led 3-2 after 40 minutes of play. They actually led 3-2 after 55 minutes of play, but the Flames, who had pushed hard all third period, finally get one to go as uh, Andrew Mangiapane ties this game late in the third. Mangiapane, Johnny on the spot in the crease for his fifth of the year. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, the assists at 15-53 of the third. For Mangiapane, his 100th career NHL goal, and it was 3-3 after 60. To overtime we go. Dan Vladar made a huge stop at one end, and a few seconds later at the other end, the Flames go down, and Rasmus Anderson on a wraparound second attempt wins the game for the Flames at 3.28 of the extra period. Anderson's third of the year from Michael Backlund and Jonathan Huberdeau for Backlund. The primary assist is his 500th career NHL point. Gets the Flames a 4-3 victory. That's your final score. Final shots even at 31 aside. Flames go 1-2 for two on the power play. Seattle 0-2 oh for two with the man advantage tonight. Your three stars in the building. Number three, Joey Decord in net for Seattle. Number two, Vince Dunn with a goal and an assist. And with the game winner, and two assists for a three-point night. Rasmus Anderson, your number one star this evening. With the win, Flames improved to 7-8-3. and three. They're back in action Wednesday on the road in Nashville, while Seattle falls to 7-8-4. and four. They're back in action Wednesday at home to San Jose. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
blast. Next up for the Flames, as we mentioned, Wednesday night in Nashville. Note the start time. Usually there's 6 o'clock in Nashville, uh, 6 o'clock Calgary time. Wednesday's game is 7 p.m. Calgary time. So a 7 p.m. face-off in Nashville on Wednesday night, which means we're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have a wonderful rest of your Monday. Have a wonderful rest of the early stages of your week. Final score from Seattle. Flames improved to 6-0-0 at Climate Pledge Arena. They will remain perfect there until at least next season. They beat the Kraken 4-3 in overtime. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.